Hello, and thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In. We are usually your podcast on the IMDb 250, but this is the very first of this year's Halloween bonus episodes. Unfortunately, Kayla is not with us, so I've enlisted one of our regular guests to talk about one of our favorite movies, Gay Bacons. Hello. You're not the movie, but you are the guest. That's true. The movie we're talking about today is Trick or Treat, which seems seasonally appropriate, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's September, which is basically Halloween. September is pre-October in these parts. Uh, Trick or Treat is a pretty easy choice, but, you know, it's a good choice nonetheless. I have seen it so many times at this point that you start noticing the little things when you watch it. Yeah, at this point, I've seen it, like, probably over a dozen times. See, I don't even know if I've seen it that many times, but quite a few. Now, this is the 2007 film Written and directed by Michael Doherty, who's really, other than this, best known for writing a couple of the X-Men movies and Superman Returns, working with Brian Singer. This is the 2007 anthology movie that centers on a number of intertwined stories in a little town on Halloween and the many shenanigans that ensue. Now, Gabe, you suggested this movie, and I guess I've already talked about why we like it so much, but why do you like this movie so much? Why did you suggest it? I like it because to me, this, it seems like a very accessible point for like horror and Halloween movies of the modern era, while still actually being scary and well done. I mean, it holds your hand a little bit, but not so much that like it feels patronizing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So I just think that it's, it's a good primer on Halloween movies. It's equal parts scary. It's funny in parts, which I love. And man, it's got that adorable little little monster, Sam. Sam, who has, is a good choice for the film because he's become like the icon that has helped this movie become the cult favorite that it is. So much so that it's getting a sequel, even though it barely did anything theatrically. Yeah, I mean, did it even get a theatrical release? Uh, limited. It was very limited. I, can't, I didn't even see any box office numbers for it. Yeah, this is a movie that's notorious for kind of being just like dumped onto dvd and then people actually liked it yeah which that was back when dvds were more prevalent than they are now granted ostensibly we're getting a sequel it was announced in 2013 so who knows when that will actually happen if it happens i think i saw news on it the other day that they were like it's definitely happening but we don't have any time frame (laughs) for it (laughs) it's definitely happening we have no proof but it's totally happening, guys. So what I watching this, what I like about it is, you're right. It's it's a great entry point without being too patronizing. It it's scary and it's violent, but at a certain level that is pretty acceptable for PG-13 audiences, without a doubt. No one's gonna be turned off by jump scares or excessive gore or anything like that. What I find most striking about it, it is a number of different types of films each of which is hard enough to do in its own right, making it all the more impressive that it does the, it here so consistently. So it's it's a Halloween movie. It's an anthology movie. It's an anthology movie with intertwined stories that are also time-shifted. And yet it's, it's just so nice and tidy, and maybe it's because it took so long to make the movie. But the fact that it manages to be all those things and still feel like one nice, neat little package is honestly more impressive than many of the great movies that get made just because 
we've seen so many horror anthologies and holiday anthologies, and they're almost never this good. Yeah, it seems like there's always at least one segment that's kind of a letdown in those movies. And with this, like all of the segments are very good. And like you were saying, they're all like kind of different types of genre in horror. So you have home invasion with Krieg and Sam, teen slasher horror with all the kids. You have the supernatural stuff with Anna Paquin's character. I like that you divide it up that way, because the way I divided it is you have the costume story, the trick story, the treat story, and then like the traditional, the the story that's about tradition and local hauntings. That's kind of a stretch, but you know. (laughs) But we reached and we got there. Hey, we reached and you know what? I think we grasped that point firmly. So those anthology movies, like a, a lot of the recent ones, you got the VHS movies, the ABC, Southbound, Holidays, Tales of Halloween. The best of those, which I'd probably say are one of the VHSs and Southbound, are like solid and they have a nice consistent tone to them. But even the best of those, you have a couple good ones and a couple clunkers at best. And reading up on Trick or Treat, you discover that he initially intended this to be set up more like those More like those in that there was a different director for each one, and they also weren't initially intertwined. And I'm kind of so glad that the initial plan changed because we have plenty of those now. This actually feels much different, and I was surprised to figure out that that wasn't the plan the whole time. Yeah, I definitely think that being intertwined works in its favor, and I think it does it in a really smart way that as you're watching it for the first time, you don't really know. Uh, like what is totally going on time-wise but it does a good job of kind of just giving really small reference points throughout the movie so then you can kind of piece it together on your own it's really impressive how they're able to scatter hints throughout without making it obvious the first time or the subsequent times you watch it um, there's enough scattered throughout especially in Anna Paquin's werewolf story when they say it all tastes the same and uh, the run of the litter and things like that it, In retrospect, you notice some of the things that were there before, but it isn't like we've talked before when you realize when you figure out the twist in a movie and the movie just doesn't really function after that. It's not like that with all twists, obviously, but even here, when you know all the secrets, it still works the second time. It isn't hinging on those things. Those are just a nice, some nice packaging that works really well and really enhances the story. It's like some of that dialogue you're saying. Some of the things like you notice are are really on the nose the second time through, but not really in a bad way. It's kind of like for a rewatch when you're watching it, it's like it's kind of winking at you, like yeah, like you know what's coming. I think the important part is it's not too obvious. You can tell the second time. It seems obvious the second time, but in the moment, it's winking, but it's a sly enough wink. It isn't like hey. Hey, nudging you. Hey, do you see what you see what's happening? And it helps that there are also so many other winks and nods to other like horror genres and movies that you don't know you don't really know like what's going to show up what's not. Like at the beginning when uh Leslie Bibb's character Emma looks across the street and there's the Halloween looking dude there and that turns out to be nothing. So you don't really know which of the winks are just there for an homage and which mm-hmm. are then going to be plot relevant. Well, and the uh the idiot savant girl's house is the Carrie house and she ends up getting revenge on the people who tormented her in the end. Krieg looks like John Carpenter, you know, it's especially after I've seen so many things since this came, like since I first saw this in 2009, probably. And after stranger things and all that, it almost feels like it's a fan film 
in a way, like somewhere between a fan film and a a total homage fest like Stranger Things, but it isn't it will function better for those who thought Stranger Things was too much. And I mean, I'm on the record as liking Stranger Things, but I it can get a little much there. I think this is really well done in that it they're little hints. They aren't uh the story doesn't hinge on you knowing what the references are. Right, which is a big downfall of a lot of movies that try to do that where like you have to have you don't have to have watched every horror movie since 1980 to figure out kind of what's going on in this movie. Mm -hmm. So uh, have you seen Krampus? I have not seen Krampus. Okay. So Krampus is Michael Doherty's. I mean, I would kind of call it a spiritual follow-up. It's, it's a Christmas horror movie, but it's not an anthology and I like it. It doesn't hold up quite as well. And I don't know if maybe because the stories are much shorter here, even though they're tied together, they're able to hold up better because uh, you can do just a lot of work in a little time and it doesn't have to hold up for as long by itself. I think despite enjoying Krampus, it just didn't quite uh, stick with me the way Trick or Treat did. And maybe it's just because it's a less impressive feat. I'm not sure. I also think that with movies like this and maybe... Maybe this is just me, but I think it works better with a relatively unknown cast. I mean, Leslie Bibb is probably the most famous person in this movie when it came out. And and maybe Anna Paquin now? Yeah, but when it when this got made, I'm pretty sure it was pre-True Blood, so... Oh, oh yeah, especially since it took a little while to come out. If it wasn't pre-True Blood, it was close enough. Even then, like... Anna Paquin is one of the best people in this movie. I think it makes sense that she went on to be the one of the bigger stars here. Um, I do enjoy Brian Cox as Krieg, and uh, Dylan Baker is great in these roles a lot of the time where he's just really silly and hammy, but he's just got that way about him. Um, I think the last time I saw him was in Applesauce as a as an over-the-top shock jockey, and he just he just really works in those bit roles as these ridiculous characters. One thing I mentioned to you as not loving, and this is where it gets a little... I hate the movie The Strangers because it does things only to serve the audience. And that kind of ruins a story for me when stuff is done only to serve the audience. It has a couple of those things here, like um, Anna Paquin, Laurie screaming when it's actually Dylan Baker's character who falls from the tree and you know various things like that when it's real it's really leaning towards something and then it turns out it's a totally different thing and the only reason they did anything was to serve the scare or the suspense right and like you were saying i know we talked a little bit another one of those things is uh in in like the serial killer like principal storyline with dylan baker's character steven when he is going to like carve uh that kid's head like the fact that it looks like to us he's about to kill his own son, that's mm-hmm. really just for us. He's walking very slowly and he puts the knife behind his back and Like very menacing. Yeah, he and his kid are clearly on the same page about what they're about to do. I mean that's that's totally for the audience, which is fine. I enjoy it. And I I think because of the nature of this movie, because it's uh so much just a celebration of Halloween and not a serious, scary story like the strangers, that stuff is more forgivable because right. it needs me to forgive it clearly. 
And I think I think both of us have seen it enough that we're at the point where we can acknowledge these flaws in it while still absolutely loving the overall package. Oh, absolutely. And I think, why do we think Trick or Treat's so great besides the fact that it's done so well? Because it isn't, you know, so it isn't scary in the way that, you know, truly terrifying movies are scary. It isn't uh, beautifully gory in the way that someone might like the movie Frontiers or Saw or something like that. And it's not uh, campy in the way that American Horror Story is that apparently gets people to like American Horror Story. Yeah, six seasons on. I, it's a whole different discussion. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I can't, I can't totally see how this movie plays for people who aren't big Halloween fans because this movie is just overflowing with incredible set decoration and character design and every bit of it just it's it's soaked in Halloween. It's just like it's like if you boiled Halloween down to like a liquid essence and just like douse this movie in it. It's it I don't know, it it really hits the mark for me. And it is over the top in a way that is absolutely perfect. Like, I wish I could go to a Halloween in a town like this without dying. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that Halloween parade that they have throughout the movie, that looks like so much fun. Dude, there are decorations everywhere. I'm like, who's paying for those? <laughs> and granted, now I know that not all the jack-o'-lanterns are carved, but still, someone carved a bunch of jack-o'-lanterns for that movie and set up all that stuff. And I honestly think what resonated with this movie is that it is so much based on halloween where a lot of other horror movies aren't you know like when you think about all these horror movies that are kind of like seminal classics that you watch around halloween including halloween friday the 13th the nightmare on elm street for the most part outside of halloween most of them do not have that much to do with the actual holiday and i think that people like this because this us wraps up the essence of the actual time of year of Halloween. Like, even if your town does not get beautifully, does not have orange everywhere or does not, you know, put the effort into decorations that I don't think any town does to this extent, or if it does, like, please send me a brochure. I'd love to visit. (laughs) Um, You can kind of experience your own version of deep dive Halloween just by watching this. And it's just, it's, it's all, it's just really fun to watch. It doesn't it's not like one of those great movies that I can never not watch for another 3 months because it scarred me so much. You could turn it on at any time. It's like, "Oh, Halloween's Halloween's great, man. Big fan." Now, that being said, if the sequel does happen, I am not big on the "Oh, you cannot ruin I don't know, the magic that the first one had by doing a sequel." I mean, that time is just over now. But I am a little bit leery about them recapturing the magic granted i'll be happy just to have more of stuff like this even if it's not as good but i mean i think there's a reason we don't see anthologies done quite this well it's really hard i think it'll have to be in a completely different town and i think if they try to lean too heavily on nodding back to the first one outside of the presence of sam i think that's where they they could possibly stumble a little bit yeah, Doherty has said that he wants to change things up quite a bit, and I I would prefer that it not nod at the first one at all, just be very much about Halloween and have Sam in it. That's all I really need. And, you know, I, I mentioned how he's worked with Singer a lot, and Singer reminds me of, um, who's the American Horror Story guy? Uh, Ryan Murphy. Yeah, he 
the, just the style of like his X-Men movies reminds me of Ryan Murphy's stuff a little bit, just in that it is very gleeful and embracing of its campiness in a way. Trick or Treat is a little bit silly, but it's kind of great in its silliness. And I don't know how much Doherty is like that as well. It's like a three degrees of Ryan Murphy there. But I, I do think that he won't take it too seriously and will do something something different. He won't try to just repeat Trick or Treat over again. And hopefully he won't be pressured to just do the same thing over again. Because, I mean, Trick or Treat might be at dvd or you know digital success but it wasn't a box office success so there's you shouldn't necessarily feel the need to paint by numbers over it again yeah i think i think trick-or-treat is one of those movies and one of those franchises where you don't like you don't really have to cater to like a mainstream like blockbuster paint by the numbers audience i think the people who are into this movie will find it and appreciate it for what you're doing and it's kind of naturally built towards being palatable to to many audiences like how we mentioned it's not terribly scary it's not terribly gory and it's actually kind of exactly what studios want from these things <laughs> to just have a built-in really sto like a really excited audience who's dying for more and can capture even more audience members. It's not, uh, you don't have to be someone who loved the first one to also love the second one. And so in that in that mold, I think it makes sense to have make a sequel, especially in this era when you can make horror movies relatively cheap, and if you're smart with your marketing, deliver them to a fairly wide audience and make some money. Any of you, any of so many paths that you can use for release. You can do limited theatrical run. You could You could put it on Netflix or Amazon. Oh yeah, like the there are many paths you can take. You have you, more options. Yeah, many more options, and you have the built-in audience. So, I mean, in that case, it kind of feels like a no-brainer. But I don't actually have the numbers for how big the trick-or-treat audience is. Maybe I should have looked up the Facebook page, see what kind of numbers we got there. But yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to the sequel. Trick-or-treat's great. It's a lot of fun, and it should be a staple in anyone's Halloween if you remotely love Halloween at all. And that's why we talked about it today. One more thing. One more thing. One more thing. One more thing. That I love about it is that during the part with Krieg, when he's flipping through channels, it shows a clip from one of the greatest Halloween movies of all time, which is Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, What I thought you were going to say, what I meant to say is part of the reason this works so well is the score by Douglas Pipes. It's a great score. That too, but also Scooby-Doo. Yes, mostly Scooby-Doo. That's that's the reason most of us like this movie. But Gabe, thanks for joining me. You'll actually be back soon because we got a follow-up on your bonus episode from last year. There's another, you know, fan favorite that's getting a late sequel this year. And we're going to watch it. We're going to watch it. And it includes some of our, one of my favorite writer-director pairs in Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett. So I was excited for it. When it was The Woods, I'm excited for it when it's Blair Witch, and we'll have Kayla back for that episode. Hopefully no one throws the map in the river this time.